Good to be back. It's been a while. My wife and I were trying to remember how long it's been since we've been here. Um, but it's uh, good to be back again and, and show you what God is doing um, in Peru. God is working. And um, we have just um, been in the city of Cusco, Peru, for now three years. And the last time we were here, we, some of you may remember, we were in the city of Lima, working in the deaf ministry there in the city of Lima um, for, several, for eight and a half years. And uh, the Lord, while we were there four or five years ago, um, maybe close to six years ago, deaf people who had met us in Lima were living in Cusco, and they were Christians, and they would come back and visit, and they would say, Corey, there's not a deaf ministry in Cusco. Can you come to Cusco? And so I said, well, if the Lord allows one day, I would love to go to Cusco. I'll go to Cusco and see what's there. And so we were in Lima working in, in the ministry. The ministry has a father ministries. is a church, a deaf and hearing church. Um, then they had a Christian school and an orphanage, and I was helping with a small seminary we had there, and we were busy. My wife had an English school for staff kids, and but in 2017, God opened the door for me to take a trip to Cusco, and this deaf guy that was in, my, in our seminary, he, he and I went to Cusco just to see what was there, see if there's a possibility for a deaf ministry to do something for the deaf in Cusco. And so we, we went, spent a week there, and God led us, or allowed me to meet a pastor that has a, they had, in his church had a young deaf couple in their church, and one young lady that would interpret for the deaf couple. She had learned her sign language from the deaf guy, who has very little education. So her sign language is very basic, but she, they were doing the best they could. And so we were there at the church on a Sunday. He worked at a seminary part-time outside of Cusco about an hour and he asked me on Monday to go to the seminary with him preaching the chapel service and we sat and talked for a couple more hours just about the possibility of a deaf ministry in Cusco and everything was open we were moving to Cusco or having somebody from there come to Lima where we could train them where they could go back to Cusco or take trips back and forth we, we didn't know what God was doing at that time and uh so we're talking, and he was really interested in having a deaf ministry in his church because he had this deaf couple. And so um, I went back to Lima, and about a month, month and a half later, the ministry we were at was celebrating its 40th anniversary. So we had our pastor. I'd ask our pastor to come down. We'd ask him to come take part in the anniversary services that week from our church. Our church is Cross and Crown Baptist Church in Cantonment, Florida, just right north, a few miles outside of Pensacola, Florida, there in uh, Panhandle, Florida. And so he and his wife and three daughters came, and I asked him, I said, can you go to Cusco with us? I want to get your opinion about going to Cusco. So they, the five of them and the five of us, our oldest daughter's not here. I'll talk about her in just a minute. But anyway, uh, we flew to Cusco, all of us. And for the first time, my wife and daughters got to see Cusco, got to meet the church, a couple of the young ladies who knew some sign language, talked to them. And, we came, and our pastor was opening. If the Lord led us to go to Cusco, he said, sure, you, I, I believe, you know, I would support your decision to go to Cusco. So we went back to Lima and we prayed about another month. And the Lord led us to move to Cusco. 
And that was about the end of June of 2017. We finished 2017 in Lima, finished our year, responsibilities there for that year. At the end of 2017, we came back to the States for a short furlough. In June of 2018, we moved to Cusco. And so we've just been there now three years. Uh, three years ago is when we first got there. And so we're excited about what's going on there. Um, and we're excited about being here. We weren't supposed to be here. We were supposed to be in Peru. Our scheduled return date was June the 12th? June the 8th. That's right, June the 8th. But I lost my passport. And when you don't have a passport, you can't go anywhere. And so, and I thought I was going to be able to get it, get an emergency appointment down at Houston at the passport agency and get a one-day passport and be able to leave. And because of COVID, their hours are very restricted, and it is almost impossible to get an appointment. I don't know what people do, but they're waiting online, and as soon as the day changes, man, they're filling up the appointments and at midnight or whatever at night, at midnight Eastern time, whatever it was. And so uh, we ended up staying and changing our ticket to August the 13th. And so I called Pastor Stone and said, hey, we're still in the area. My in-laws live in Conroe. My wife is from Conroe, so from this area. So um, we're staying there with them right now and able to come by and see you all. So we, we thank God for that. But I have some pictures, and so we'll go ahead and um, show them to you. I mentioned this is my wife, Melissa. And then Amanda, our oldest daughter, she is the one on the left. She is in Kansas right now. And uh, God provided a job for her up there in Kansas with some good friends of ours. And she's working and saving money to go to college this fall. So she's staying here, and we're going to Peru. And uh, we're losing our one of our best interpreters. And uh, she just loves sign language, loves working with the deaf, and her goal in the future is to be a, work with deaf children in schools. And so thank God for her. But then Elena is the one in the blue, and Olivia. Elena just graduated from high school, but she's going back to Peru with us for at least a year. And Olivia. And she's got a few more years before she uh, leaves the house, escapes, or whatever you want to say there. But uh, we thank God, again, God for our family. Behind us, in the picture there is Machu Picchu. That's one of the seven modern-day wonders of the world. To go to Machu Picchu, you go through Cusco. It's a couple hours away from Cusco by train. And so before COVID hit, they had 3,000 people a day go through Machu Picchu. Cusco had at least 3 million people a year come to Cusco. Um, it was a very tourist city. Cusco is suffering right now because there's been very little tourism since March of last year because when they put the country on, uh, locked down the country. The city of Cusco, this is looking down the valley. There are about 600,000 people live in the city of Cusco. Um, we live at almost 11,000 feet elevation, pretty much 11,000 feet elevation, and the mountains come up on each side from there. And uh, so the, the upper part, where it's not in this picture, behind, if you turned around and looked the other way from this picture, you see the old part of Cusco, the old capital of the Inca Empire, some of the old ruins from the original walls are still there and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's growing down the valley because it can't grow up the valley or up the sides. The mountains are only go up so high because it's so steep. But uh, about 600,000 people. And um, when we were there on our survey trip, back when I first went in 2017, I sat down in the home of a president of a deaf association, a deaf man. And we were sitting there talking to him and his family. He and his wife both are deaf, and there were some other deaf that from, this, from the association that were there. 
and we asked them, how many deaf are here in Cusco? And he said, we know of a thousand deaf in the city of Cusco and another thousand outside of the city of Cusco. I can't confirm that. I've never seen any written records or anything like that. But I do know in the last three years, we've met over 200 deaf people. Just, and so uh, there's a great need there. And there was no one, not well, the Jehovah Witnesses were trying to work with the deaf. And the Catholics have a school for deaf children, but that was about it. And then so the Lord allowed us to go there and help uh, with this church. Uh, so let's go ahead and look at some of the deaf people there and show you some of the people that we're working with. This is one of the deaf associations. Um, every Sunday afternoon, they would get together. They're all off work and free, and they would play soccer at this uh, sports complex type of place. And uh, every so often, they'd have a meeting in one of the rooms there, and this is one of those days. They're having a meeting. Every person, except for a couple of little kids in that picture, every one of them is deaf. And as far as we know, not one of them is saved as of yet. We've witnessed to them. But none of them have come to know Christ as their Savior. But we were going, we were going on Sunday afternoons um, to invite them to church and get to know them. And, and so I began to ask them, I said, I asked them, I said, hey, can I give a Bible lesson here? Would you guys be willing to stop playing soccer for a few minutes and let me share a Bible story with you all? And they said, sure. And so the picture there on the right is where they would stop playing soccer. They'd finish a game, and I'd run out there and try to get them to stop for a little bit. But they would all sit down on logs, and there in front of me, and my, one of my daughters would hold up pictures, and I would I'd be telling the story in sign language. We started from creation and then ended up with Christ dying in death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, sometimes we'd have 30, sometimes up to 50 deaf. They'd all sit there. And they would all pay attention. If one wasn't paying attention, the other one would get his attention, make sure they're paying attention. And um, for about 10 minutes, after about 10 minutes, they wanted to play soccer, and I needed to get done. But I thank God for those 10 minutes that he gave us. For several weeks, they were able to go and and get to know the deaf and work with them um, and share the gospel with them. The other picture on the left is the Deaf Association had an anniversary, and they invited other Deaf Associations from the surrounding area and even from Bolivia we're not that far from Bolivia, um, to come and for a soccer tournament. And so we went on Sunday afternoon and handed out tracks to about 100 deaf there uh, that day from several different areas around Cusco. Uh, then in 2019, I was able to get into the handicap school there in Cusco. Normally in Peru, in a handicap school, all handicapped are put together in the same classroom. So you have the, the deaf, you have the blind, the mentally handicapped. They're all in one classroom. And there's no interpreter for the deaf. And none of them learn very much. In Cusco, and I still don't know why, but they have two separate classes for the deaf. And uh, the teachers know a little bit of sign language, but I, w- I went and asked the director if we could come in and help, this, help the classes, help the teachers, and try to get to know the deaf children. And so for half of a year, two days a week, I was in the classroom a couple hours each day, helping the teacher, getting to know the kids, and beginning to know the deaf children. We do not have a deaf children's ministry yet because we do not have enough workers. We just don't have enough people trained to work with the deaf yet, and we're working on that, and if the Lord allows us in the future to have a a children's ministry, we're open to it. We're just waiting on God's leading and having enough people to do the work. Um, Then 2020 hit, COVID hit. They've been online since 
March of last year in school. So I did not get to go back in last year. I have not seen these kids really since December of 2019. So we're praying if things continue to improve, little by little improve. And they, I just was told yesterday by, a, was it yesterday or Friday, I was talking to a lady down in Peru, and she said they're hoping to start school up in classrooms next March. School years in Peru, because South America runs March to December. So they're hoping to start next year's school year within in-house classes, and hopefully I will, we'll be able to get back into these classrooms and work with these kids some more, help them, and eventually, if the Lord leads, allow us to start a children's ministry and reach them for Christ and maybe get into their families' lives as well and to reach the families. Um, this is a church we work at, Iglesia Bautista El Calvario, or Calvary Baptist Church. This was an anniversary service. Other churches that came to help celebrate the anniversary, so it's not that full all the time. Uh, they do, we do have on a normal, before COVID hit, about 100 people um, on Sunday mornings. So this is a church we're working at and training there to help them establish a deaf ministry. Our goal is to establish a deaf ministry there with people who can run it. And then my wife and, or my family and I can go other places around Cusco and reach the deaf in those other areas. Um, so what we would do, uh, let me, our church services on Sundays before COVID was we would interpret for the deaf Sunday morning and Sunday night. And they had music, all of it was interpreted and with the hearing there. On Wednesday nights, the church has a prayer, a midweek prayer service that was for the hearing. They had that, there. and so we started a Thursday night service for the deaf, and that one's in all sign language. It's uh, there's no voice unless somebody shows up who doesn't know sign language, and my wife or daughter have to reverse interpret into voice. But the singing, the announcements, the teaching, all of it is in sign language, geared specifically for the deaf. Um, I am still doing that from here right now because of COVID. It, it was really restricted. And so I do it online. I record it and then put it online for them on Thursday nights. So I've been doing that since we've been here in the States. Um, they now can have services again. So when we get back, hopefully we'll be able to start up again on Thursday nights. We may still have to send it out uh, online as well, both in, in-house and online. But that's the way the services, our services work right now for the deaf. Uh, um, we have Bible studies. This young couple was the young, on the, in the picture on the bottom there, on the right, they were the young couple that was at the church before we got there. And they're saved, have been baptized, members of the church, but they've never been discipled. So we asked them, can we come to your house and disciple you all? And they said yes. And so we didn't know where they lived. And we'd only been there two to three months. And uh, this young lady was going to take us to their home. She didn't tell us it was 300 steps up this side of the mountain. And uh, we didn't think we were going to make it up there. We weren't, we weren't adjusted to 11,000 feet yet. And another 300 steps was uh, work. But after going every week, you, know, you, get, you get adjusted to the, all the exercise and the walking. But thank God for Cesar and Fabiola. Um, they're, we're learning, doing real well. If you pray for them right now, they're kind of struggling. They haven't had much work since March of last year. And on top of it all, he's got COVID right now. And not bad, but they don't really fully understand all the implications and what to do. They're probably a little more nervous than maybe we would be if we had COVID. Uh, so just pray for them that they will trust God and God will give them peace. And the church is going to try to help them out some. Through, I don't know if they got it done this week or this coming week. They're going to go and visit them and stuff. So. Let's pray for Cesar and Fabiola. She's a seamstress. She is working some right now. I guess she's keeping pretty busy. She's got some work as of lately. But pray for Cesar and Fabiola, if you would. And then 
we start in 2019 a deaf conference, a three-day conference where we can invite deaf in and focus in on them, a three-day campaign. So we had a deaf man come in who's from American who is a missionary. He is deaf himself as well, and he preached the conference for us. Last year, I did it from my home because of COVID. We were planning on doing it in the church, and we couldn't, so I did it from my home. This year, we're here, and we were here in the States, so we didn't have it, but hopefully next year we'll be able to pick that up uh, again as well. And then um, different activities to try to get to know these deaf. Um, most of the deaf that we know, they're the only deaf person in their home. You know, some have brothers and sisters or different things, and I'll show you some of those in a little bit. But many of them are the only deaf person in their home, and they're the only one that knows sign language. The family has not taken time to learn sign language. So they grow up in a hearing world being deaf. And they look at hearing people, and they're really leery of hearing people. And it takes a while to build their trust, to get to know them, for them to even open up to you. Because they look at you and think, are you here to take advantage of me? Or, you know, they, they doubt and worry. And so um, have their uh, questions. And so we're trying to, little by little, get to know them on this last week of September every year is the International Week of the Deaf, so we have a special service that night. We have activities. The picture there on the left is from the last one of those we had. We had 30 deaf there on that, about 30 deaf there on that Thursday night. The picture on the right is from a Christmas party we had for the deaf. And then we've also had them in our home just get to know them and build relationships with with the deaf as well. Um, And then last year... Oh, we started, that's sign language classes, okay, getting ahead of myself, sorry. Uh, we started teaching sign language when we got there because we can't do it ourselves. We need help. And so we had people come into the church and uh, we're learning sign language. We finished a few levels of sign language, have some people that are helping us, some young ladies now that, and they got thrown into the fire we left and they've been having to interpret. And so uh, we thank God for, especially one of them, the pastor's daughter, she's been having to interpret, do almost all of it for several weeks now and thank God for. But um, so we're doing that. And then last year when COVID hit, we couldn't have any types of meetings. Prue went just to show you what, how it was real quick. In the middle of March last year, nationwide curfew or nationwide quarantine for two weeks and then four weeks and then six weeks and then eight weeks and then almost all the way to November before it was really opened up completely. In July, they opened us up a little bit and then the numbers went up and they shut us back down. And so we couldn't have any type of meeting. We couldn't have sign language classes. And so we started thinking about it and praying about it. And, and in August, we started advertising online classes. We didn't know if it was going to work. We didn't know if we could teach sign language online or not. But we began to offer it. And uh, the Lord used it. People from all over Peru, most several areas of Peru at least, joined our sign language classes. Place people that couldn't come to Cusco to go to the sign language class, but could take it online. And so um, my wife taught a class, and I taught a class. And even Trujillo, which is in northern Peru, we're in Cusco, down in southern Peru. If you take a bus, it's close to two days just to get there. And so um, plane, it's a couple hour, a couple flights, and so about an hour apiece probably. But anyway. Trujillo has a, is a city of about 700,000 people. As far as we know, there's not a deaf ministry, and a Baptist, an independent Baptist deaf ministry in Trujillo. We have two ladies from Trujillo taking sign language. 
And so if the Lord leads, maybe in the future we'll have to take a trip up there to help them get a little bit started. The one young lady has a cousin who's deaf, and she's really wanting to reach the deaf there in their area. Since we're going to be here for another five or six weeks, I started up my class again. I'm going to be teaching on Tuesdays for the next five weeks. But it was neat how God opened up those opportunities for us to teach people in other areas that we, we never thought of until we got stuck in COVID. Imagine all that. But uh, God is working there. And then um, online services. Not only were we quarantined, um, on Sundays it was an all-day curfew. So no one could leave their home. So the pastor's at his house doing the service, and we're at our house trying to interpret what he's doing at his house. And so we're like, how are we going to do this? And um, so he did, we tried to do it while he was doing it live on Facebook, take it from Facebook and run it through our program on my laptop and combined our video of the interpreting and send it back out live all at the same time. And I did not have enough internet power to do it. It just would not. It was all choppy and what didn't work. We tried for a few weeks and it didn't work. And so what we ended up having to do is he would do the service. Then we would take it from the archive and run it back through Facebook Live with the video. And I, we had enough internet power to do that. So the interpreting was live. The preaching wasn't live. The singing wasn't live, but the interpreting was. And then on Sunday nights, he asked me to do the services for him. So I did it both in Spanish and sign language. And God gave this great grace in that as well. But um, just, they opened back up in November. We're shutting down again in January. And as of two Sundays ago, they were allowed again to have services at church on Sunday. And so last week they couldn't because of Father's Day. This week they could again. And so uh, that's where they are right now. Um, the daughter picture down there is my daughter interpreting and just different ones, services that we had done there. And then we've been able to go to other places. This is a little, little church plant in Ankawasi, about an hour outside of Cusco, in a little small town there in the mountains. And one of the families from the church are now sent by the church there to help establish that work. And last year during COVID, when there wasn't much work for people in Peru because of the quarantine, churches and individuals from the state sent us money. We didn't ask, ever ask, but people sent us money to help with the needs. And so we were able to take all these bags of food and help out uh, these people uh, at this church as well, encourage them. And then we're also able to do this for the deaf. And so we did this a few times. The first time we went house to house trying to find the deaf. And I didn't have all their addresses, and then some of them don't even know the name of the street they live on sometimes because of their lack of education. They can't read real well. They're trying to send me messages. I'm trying to respond, and it, it was kind of difficult. Uh, we finally got it all done, but then we decided the second time they can come to the church. They all know where the church is, and uh, we'll bring them in 10 at a time and spread them out so we don't get in trouble and keep social distancing and all that, and we'll witness to them. And then I'm going to get their name and phone number, and then we'll give them a bag of food. And so we did that. We had about 30 deaf come that uh, day. And through that, I now have around 50 deaf names on my phone. And every morning, Monday through Saturday, I send them a verse, a video. And not a very long one because I can't get too big and won't be able to send it. But I send them a little verse and try to encourage them and teach them a little bit. And most of the time, every week, people respond. Almost every day. Not always every day, but someone's watching those videos. So we thank God for that. And God... Help us, helped us maintain our contact with the deaf. When COVID hit, we thought, what are we going to do? They need personal contact. They need to be one-on-one. They need, they need that interaction. That's just the way deaf people are. We lost that. Well, through this, we've been able to keep it, and, and God is working there 
uh, through that. And then we've been able to work in camps, both deaf camps and hearing camps. The camp on the right is hearing. The camp on the left was a deaf camp that we worked at. Um, being able to preach in other churches. My daughters have done special music, especially last year online, singing in Spanish and in sign language, uh, recording uh, music. And then finishing up here, uh, the great need. This whole family is deaf. The parents, their two sons, and then their lady, the young lady sitting up front, is the wife of the one of the young men as well, the one sitting up front on the right. She's hard of hearing, so she can speak a little bit and hear some. The little boy is hearing, but this whole family is deaf. I believe the parents are probably saved. There was a deaf ministry over 20 years ago in Cusco that ended, fell all apart about 2000, the year 2000. I believe they've been saved. The rest of them, I'm not sure. But he's also the president of a deaf association in town, so we got to meet several deaf through them. Uh, He prayed for them as well. And then the young man sitting up front here, I know you can't see him very well because of the picture's not real clear. His name is Luis. He was from Atacipa, and he showed up at our church in Cusco, which is seven hours away one Sunday morning. We never met him. We didn't know anything about him. We had a friend, a deaf friend, who said, yeah, there's a church in Cusco that has a deaf ministry. He was saved. So he showed up. He was there with us one day. And then the next day he went to Lima to Afada, where we had been. And then he went to their deaf camp. We, my daughters and I, showed up halfway through the deaf camp and finished up the camp with him. But we set up, was up front every service, always excited, participated in everything, having a great time learning a lot. Then the camp, he went to Afada for a week and then left. Two months later, his parents in, in Atakipa called the ministry in, in Afada and said, have you seen Luis? And like, nope, he left. We don't know where he's at. They called me. Have you seen Luis? Did he go to Cusco? No, I have no idea where he's at. So people are looking for him. People are praying for him. The deaf are getting worried, praying as well. A few weeks later, they found his body in a morgue in the city of Lima. And apparently he had gotten to a, some part of, dangerous part of Lima at night and as a deaf man that didn't know the city of Lima very well and 10 million people, uh, no one knows exactly what happened, but they found him the next morning. All his identity was, identification was taken. All, everything he had was taken. He was just there on the street. And so he'd been in a morgue for several weeks waiting, trying to, waiting to be identified. Well, thank God for Luis. Thank God he was saved. Uh, but that's just some things that sometimes they face. And then uh, this family here, the four in the middle are all brothers and sisters. The three in the center, the one with the yellow, and then the one on each side of her, those three are deaf. Uh, brothers and sisters, and the one with the red collar on his jacket, he's their older brother, he's hearing. They also had a 15-year-old sister who lived in the family farm up about four, three to four hours outside of Cusco, in a, up on the mountainside, a very poor farm. She was deaf. One morning, early in the morning, she's asleep in her home, and it's built out of, I don't really know how it was built, but wooden poles and grass or something covering it. And the parents are out on the farm, work, out in the field working. A lightning bolt, from what I understand, hit the beam in the house. It must have apparently fell and hit her on the head. The house burned down. She never made it out. 15-year-old deaf girl. The deaf in Cusco found out about it. They knew these three, and they all pitched in and helped because the family's poor to help pay for funeral and burial costs and all that. And several of the deaf made the trip out up in the mountains to be there for, to be with them during when they buried their little sister. And uh, this was the following Sunday. I didn't know what happened until Saturday, I believe it was. 
And I got there on Sunday where they're going to be playing soccer, I thought. And I didn't know that this was going on until I got there. But they, they were thanking all the deaf for helping them and pitching in and, and in this situation. So um, I got to pray with them and help them a little bit. But that 15-year-old girl, as far as we know, no one ever made it to her house and told her about Jesus Christ. And I don't even know how much sign language she knew. Because I don't think she'd ever been to school. If she had, it was very little education. But that's just a story. And we can tell story after story after story of deaf people that they grew up their whole life and no one ever told them about Jesus Christ. But the girl in the middle, her name is Yoni. She is really wanting to learn. She wrote me a few weeks ago and sent me a picture of a Bible. Is this a good Bible? And so it was kind of neat to see her sister right beside her. Just I talked to her about a week ago. I want to learn. She said her name is Sophia. So pray for them. They both have boyfriends. They both need to get married. And they both need to be saved, I believe, as well. So there's a I pray that God would work in their lives. Um, and then looking forward, uh, as I mentioned, we're wanting to establish a ministry in Cusco. The deaf come to Cusco. It's a bigger city. And they come looking for work. So I want a good, a good strong deaf ministry in Cusco. And then training the others and developing other workers to help us in the ministry. And then our plan is in the future to go to different areas. And here is the picture on the right is like the state of Cusco. So you have the city of Cusco and the province of Cusco. And in that uh, area, there's several towns, uh, Espinar, uh, Urubamba, uh, Anta, Sequani. We've met deaf people. No one's working with them. No one's working with them. So we would like to go to those areas. And another picture, if you can see the bottom portion there of Peru and several other towns there in the map as well. Ayacucho has a little bitty deaf ministry. Abancay, 300,000 people, no deaf ministry. So the Lord leads us to other areas. That's, that's our plan in the future. And so <clears throat> thank you. Thank you for your prayers and your support. And we ask that you please continue to pray. Out here in the foyer, we have a, a table with some things on it and an updated prayer card. So make sure you grab one before you head out and um, continue to pray for us, pray for the deaf. You know, Christ loved the deaf person just as much as he loved you and I. And a deaf person needs to be saved just as bad as you and I needed to be saved. You know, they, they don't get an excuse because they're deaf. You know, they're sinners and they need to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. So pray for them. Continue to pray for our ministry. And as I said, God is doing things. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but he's working. So we, we thank God for that. Afterwards, if you have any questions, feel free to ask us. All four of us will do our best to answer your questions. And um, <clears throat> see if we can okay, and uh, do our best to answer those questions for you. Take your Bibles in the time we have left. And let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. I want to look for a few minutes at one of my favorite subjects, and that's hope. So let's look here from starting verse number 12, and I'm going to read down to verse number 20. Now, if Christ be, be preached that he rose from the dead, how 
say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God, and he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. If for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are in your sins. They, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. I've entitled this, I Have Let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this church and their support for us and their ministry and their support and their desire to serve you and um, here and around the world. Lord, we pray for the pastor and especially his wife with the accident she's had. And Lord, give them strength there and help her to heal properly. Lord, be with the group that went to camp as well. We pray you would give them a good week and work in the lives of those teens and children who are there. Pray that you just have your will and your way there. And Lord, help us now as we look into your word. Pray that your spirit would lead and guide us in these few moments. Um, help us to be obedient and learn from your word tonight. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Life without hope is hard, and it's a sad life. You know, life without eternal hope, though, is even worse. To not have hope beyond this life is not a good life. Then why are we here if we can't have hope beyond this life? What's the purpose of being here? And so, and though, and without hope, and it's, life would be so different. And it wouldn't be, we couldn't have the joy in our heart without hope. And Many people today, though, live with no hope, right? And some have come to the point where they think, you know what, it's, there's no hope in my life. There's no, no reason worth living anymore. And it's a sad thing when somebody reaches that point in their life and they say, what's the point? Why should I get up tomorrow and go through this again? Go through this pain, this heartache, or whatever's going on in their life, and they say, it's just not worth it. That's a sad point to reach in life. Paul here is speaking about the greatness of hope and the joy that no matter what's happening of a future. And we're not talking about hope as in, man, I sure hope so. You know, we, we talk, well, what do you want for your birthday? Well, I hope I get. That's not what it's talking about here. That's not the definition of the word hope in the Bible. The word hope is a calm assurance. It's going to take place. I don't doubt it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to sit there with my fingers crossed hoping it'll take place because I know it will. The expectation and the belief that it's going to happen. When we say, I have hope, it's not, I hope the Lord comes back one day. It is, He is coming back one day. And that's my hope. And Christ said, Christ died, or Christ arose. I'm sorry, Christ arose. So I have hope. 
That's what this passage is talking about. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, then there's no hope. If Christ didn't die and didn't rise again, why are we here? If he stayed dead, why are we here tonight? There's no reason to be here. If he died for sins but couldn't overcome death, then we have no hope. We are all men most miserable, as the verse says. We are believing a lie and teaching that lie if he didn't rise from the dead. And we're wasting our time. The gospel has no power without the resurrection. The word of God cannot change lives without the resurrection. Look at verse number 12 through verse 15. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But, there, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. If Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. It's empty. If he didn't rise from the dead... It's all emptiness. There's no reason for it. Verse number 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. If Christ didn't raise up, rise from the dead, and we say he did, then we're false witnesses, and we're teaching and believing a lie. And it's all hope is lost. We are all men most miserable. But he did raise again. He did rise again. And so, and it, if we really come to the end where, you know what? I believed a lie. It's a terrible thing to realize you've been deceived, isn't it? We're not going to be deceived. He did rise again. He is coming back. Therefore, I have hope. Christ arose. He conquered death. He is alive. Verse number five. Go back up to verse number five through eight. And he and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of about above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are falling asleep. After that he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles, and last of all he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. You know what? There are many witnesses that says he's alive. I saw him. He came through that door. He was right there. He talked to me after he arose. There are witnesses that say, that said he is alive. Over 500 people saw him alive after his death and his resurrection. But then, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I got to thinking about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17. The very well-known verse, but it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. A dead Christ could not change my life. If he never rose, my life would never be changed. And I can tell you my life was changed. He changed my life. He forgave me of my sins. As a seven-year-old boy, I would go to bed at night thinking, I need to pray. I'm going to die and go to hell, and I'd pray some kind of prayer. Night after night after night. 
Finally, one Sunday night on the way home from church, and we lived 30 miles away from, or 30 minutes away from town, from the church. I told my dad, Dad, I need to be saved. He came that, to my bedroom that night, and I was on the top bunk. And he led me to Christ. The next night, I didn't worry about it anymore. I wasn't scared anymore. Because the risen Savior changed my life. And if he never arose, then he can't change your life. But you and I, if you're saved today, are a testimony of a risen Savior. Maybe some of you have a testimony that said, this was my life before. But then Christ changed it. He's alive. I have hope, and I know I have hope because he changed my life. Christ arose. Therefore, I have hope. Hope for the future. I don't know what the future holds. And I don't know when Christ is coming back. But I know it's going to happen. And I know one day I will be in his presence. This morning where the church were at, the, the special was if it's not, if it weren't for grace, if it wasn't for grace. You know, Christ arose and then through his grace has given us salvation. Therefore, we have hope. But, number two, I have hope. I must share with others. So first of all, Christ arose. I have hope. Now I have hope that I can give to someone else. And that's our job now. It's not to keep this hope to myself. I need to let someone else know, you can have hope. Our youngest daughter this week got to help out in a kid's camp, a day camp. Eleven kids this week come to know Christ their Savior there at that camp. They now have hope. Because someone said, hey, come to camp. I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. And they shared the hope they have with someone else. Go to Romans chapter 13. We were in 1 Corinthians 13, now Romans 13. Or I'm sorry, Romans 15. We were in 1 Corinthians 15, now in Romans 15. Get this right. Romans 15, verse number 13 says, now the God of, what's it say? Hope. Aren't you glad we have a God of hope? No other religion can say, I have a God of hope. No other religion can say, my God gives me hope. He gave me hope. He gave me the calm assurance that one day I will see him. There's not another religion in the world that can say that. They're all hoping they can do good enough, be a good enough person, do enough things that they will be accepted. And we don't have to do that. Christ took care of it all and we have a God that will give us hope simply by putting our faith and trust in Him. And the world, they're living hoping that they're good enough. But they don't have the hope, the calm assurance that I have a home in heaven. Their God is not a God of hope. Their God is a God of do this and do that and do's and don'ts and, and all those things. And they don't have hope. And they're trying their best to be good enough. Um, in Peru, I believe this, it's hard, I didn't, this was kind of a surprise when I got there. But there's a group of 
Peruvians who have adopted the Old Testament law. They call themselves Israelitas or Israelites. I saw the mountain where once a year they offer sacrifices, trying to appease God. We had a deaf boy in the school in Lima. His dad was an Israelita. And the other missionary talked to him several times and he, he wouldn't, he didn't get saved. You can see them a mile away and then they, they wear robes, the men have long beards, they all wear sandals. And, oh, there's an Israelita practicing the Old Testament law. Not knowing that, you know, the God they're trying to worship really is the God of hope and he sent his son for them. And they can put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So how do we know about this hope? It's through the word of God. We're in Romans 15, go up to verse number three, verse number one. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Wherefore, whosoever therefore resists the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damna damnation for rulers. Oh, I'm in verse chapter 13. I am sorry, I turned too far. Let me go back to 15. I was confusing myself. 15. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Verse number 3. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me for whatsoever things were written for our aforetime were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope this was given to us so that we could have hope where do we find it we find it in the word of god so what do we do we share the word of god with others so that they can say i have hope colossians chapter 1 colossians chapter 1 verses 3 3 to 5 We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. The gospel gives hope. We can have hope tonight. We can walk out of hurt here. And the world may be falling apart. It seems like it is. And things are going on. Well, what? This isn't right. This isn't good. I mean, we can be scared. We can be nervous. But remember, we have hope in Jesus Christ. We don't need to be scared. We don't need to be nervous. Just hope. Christ is our hope. The gospel has given us hope. And we trust Jesus Christ. You know, this week, when the, the building fell outside of Miami this week, what a sad story. And there's a lot of families right now that have a lot of questions and are waiting for answers to see if their loved ones are there or not. I just saw today that this elderly couple in their 80s were in that building. And Thursday night and Friday, their grandson received 16 phone calls from their home line, their house line, after the building fell. They would pick it up and try to answer, and all there was was static. But they had hope that maybe he had hoped maybe his grandparents somehow survived. 
uh, they haven't found them yet, and, and I don't know where they're buried in there or what the situation is, but they had some hope for a little bit. That was Friday. They haven't heard any phone calls since then. I don't know how a phone call could get out of that building with a, after where it fell, a landline of all things, but apparently it did. You know, that family now is probably losing a little bit of their hope. They need the hope that's in Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. Aren't you glad you can say, I have hope? I can leave this building tonight. And it doesn't matter what happens from here on out. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And that's where it's going to stay. And we need to keep our hope in Jesus Christ. But then we need to give it to someone else. Let them know you can have hope. In a world where there is no hope, at least in the world, in the eyes of the world, but there's hope in Jesus Christ. Let's tell people, hey, you can have hope. You can look to Jesus Christ. Share the hope of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. Let's pray, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for hope, for that calm assurance expectation, the belief, the confidence that you're our Savior, you've forgiven us of our sins, you've changed our life, and you've promised us a home in heaven with you for an eternity. There is no greater hope. Lord, it gives us joy, it gives us peace and confidence in our life. Lord, but help us also to share that hope with someone else, to share your word that can give hope to others that they can know you as well, and they can have that hope. Lord, I pray you'd bless tonight. Thank you for each one who's here. Thank you for their attention. Lord, again, thank you for this church. We pray that you would honor and glorify your word in our hearts and lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, if they want to just sing a verse or two.